Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer news, rockin' America. Soccer news, rockin' America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to Soccer New Brock in America featuring you know who. Hello! Yeah, that's my 11-year-old daughter, your co-host and star, Person Noob. No musical performances in store like we had last week. For example, we had uh, Terrence Campbell stop by to talk about it for a minute. But that's all right, because we have an old, and I mean old friend making a triumphant return right around match number three. You won't want to miss that. Uh, Person Noob, she's going to wow us with her passion for endangered animals in her very own segment right around match number six. I will probably get hungry around match number nine, which means that we will take a fun and educational culture break. Plus, we will have bonus matches at the end of the show like no other podcast anywhere. All this gets mixed in with the main ingredients that are the 10 match mini previews from the biggest races and tournaments from around the entire world. No, we will leave no stone unturned. England, absolutely. Malawi over in Africa, yeah, we're going to go there. South Pacific, absolutely. Bring some sunscreen even this time of year. It's going to be sensational. So, with no further ado, let's dive right in with... Match number one! Our first match, Person Noob, is a trophy match. Can you make a trumpet-sounding victory noise? Very good. Yeah, maybe we'll make that a permanent thing. The Copa Libertadores final is on Saturday. Yes, by the way, there were no Friday matches bright or shiny enough to catch our attention and make our final 10, but certainly the Copa Libertadores final will. For noobs like us, just so you know, uh, the Copa Libertadores is the South American Champions League, and your finalists are, out of Argentina, Boca Juniors versus Fluminense from Rio de Janeiro. So uh, one could sort of say that they're getting a quasi-home game, but assuming the ticket distribution is even, (laughs) it's not like Boca Juniors won't be using their full allotment, believe me. Uh, The series between these two, they haven't played a whole lot. Boca Juniors have had a slight advantage, 2-1-1. You can watch this on BN Sports in English or in Spanish. And we're going to add a little bit something new to a couple of these matches to show. We want to tell you how we think you should gamble it because while we are noobs, I have been following this a few years now. I'm getting a little less noobish and I've been doing some, you know, how little kids play the stock market to see how they do. I've been doing that with uh, footy across the world and actually I've been doing pretty well. If I don't say so myself, give me another victory uh, toot. Thank you. Fake money. Yay. All right. So the odds on this game, that, and obviously you're going to get different ones, uh, you know, different sets of odds from different places, but they're all moderately close. Uh, the ones I saw a day or two ago as I was doing my research, plus 280 for Boca Juniors, plus 220 on a draw, 
plus 115 for Fluminense. I won't go into the particulars, just know uh, that for some reason, Boca Juniors, uh, if they win, you would in 90 minutes instead of on penalties, you would get paid a lot more. You're going to find out why I would absolutely snap that up in a heartbeat momentarily. And we'll talk about Boca Juniors first, as is our tradition, them being the home team. They are from a neighborhood in Buenos Aires called La Boca. Uh, this is an area where Porteño culture, or true like Spanish or overall European culture, is uh, still fairly prevalent. It's very uh, uh, courtly, gentlemanly, you know, a little old-fashioned. And this is where the tango originated, by the way, was right in this neighborhood, it is said. They are known as the Genoese, a nod to their Italian immigrant founding. They are number three in the world all time with 22 international major titles. They are only behind two teams, Real Madrid out of, of course, Mexico, or not Mexico, Spain, and Al Ali, the Giants of Africa. And by the way, this team is also about to play in the Copa Argentina final against the Estudiantes, which has really been more like a league. So they have been in really uh, good form overall. They are currently ranked as the fourth best team in all Conmebol. I'll tell you right now, that's way above Fluminense. They have won five Copa Libertadores titles historically. Last one, it's been a little bit, 2007. They've got to be just crazed to be have a shot at this particular one. They qualified for this event with Argentina's number one berth out of their league as they were the 2022 Primera División champions. They advanced to this final uh, with a 1-1 aggregate draw and then winning 4-2 on penalty kicks in the semifinal. In that semifinal, the second leg went 1-1, and that is the only goal they've scored since the round of 16, and it's the only goal that they've conceded. So they've been very defensively oriented and very good. Give you a little bit better idea of how they're doing overall in the Premier Division as well. 2023 uh, version, they finished in seventh place. So good, but not great. That's going to only snag them a Copa Sudamericana berth. Another reason this is such an important title for them, as it would automatically qualify them for the Copa Libertadores next year. Uh, the problem, believe it or not, was defense, which is why I feel so strongly about this team because they've clearly improved drastically in that way. They were tied for number seven on offense in the league, and it's a huge league, something like 26, 28 teams. Tied for number 12 on defense, giving up a full goal per match in a league that's not all that high scoring. Overall, they were tied for number five on goal differential. And so I think you can see that they were somewhat well-balanced and made that work for them. Team MVP on the year has been Miguel uh, Menteriel, or Merentiel, rather. He is an Uruguayan center forward with seven goals, two assists on the season. Really solid dribbler and a good passer for his position. It's not a primary duty of center forwards unless you're just playing to hold up the ball. Clearly, he scores enough that that is not what he mainly does. Team's current form of their last three across all competitions, an okay 1-1-1. One, one, and one. And now Fluminense, just I'm going to say it right up front, they have been really inconsistent in recent weeks. They are known as the Big Flu, which is named for uh, Fluzal, uh, just a nickname, I think, for people who are from there. I don't think it has anything to do with uh, the English meaning of uh, flu, but it's kind of fun. Uh, they are from Rio de Janeiro, as I mentioned, from an area called Laranjeras. It is an upper middle class area, and it's one of the oldest neighborhoods in all of Rio. 
2008, they finished second best in the Copa Libertadores. That is the best they have ever done. And the next year, they were runners-up in the Copa Sudamericana, which I will mention for newer fans is uh, the secondary, uh, the second best international club tournament behind Copa Libertadores. They qualified as the 2022 uh, Serie A, that's a top flight in Brazil, number three finishers last year. This was the fourth of uh, seven entrants from Brazil, not including Flamengo, by the way. They actually sent a Flamengo got in as the defending Copa Libertadores champions. Want to be accurate. They are just the number 32 ranked team in all of Conmebol. That's one of the big reasons that I don't like them. They're inconsistent this year. Uh, They're not rated nearly as highly over the last three to five years. I don't think that they're used to this kind of pressure. Uh, They gave up a lot of goals in the semifinal, but they scored a lot. They advanced four to three over a very good team, Internacional. They have been the opposite of Boca Juniors, been on fire offensively, scoring 12 goals since the round of 16. But their defense hasn't exactly been great. Key player to look for, number one in events scoring by quite a bit with a dozen goals is uh, German uh, Keno. He is an Argentinian forward, 35-year-old veteran who Liga MX fans might recognize the name. He has spent some time earlier in his career with Pachuca and Leon. But their MVP in the outfield, in my opinion, has been Sean Arias from Colombia, right winger, five goals, three assists. He started his career with Tijuana in Mexico, but didn't make any senior appearances for them. Again, a little wider perspective on how they're doing lately, 2023 Serie A. They are currently in eighth place, which would just put them in the Copa Sudamericana. Like I said, inconsistent. Their defense has been a, a, a fair bit below average. It's another league that's not super high scoring. They've been giving up almost one and a third goals per match. They've only got the number 10 goal differential. And their really recent form has not been good. 1-0-3, and they have lost two straight matches. So again, take out a second mortgage on the home and put it all on that very surprising plus 260 to 280, somewhere in that range on Boca Juniors. Match number B. Plenty more Saturday action to go. Match number B, and that's right. Match number, what do we do with number two? We flush it, don't we, person new? Yeah. Because what does it mean? Doo-doo. That's right, and we are much more couth than that. We don't talk about doo-doo, that's not us. Join us in our quiet revolution to replace that phrase with number B in your daily lives. Listen to it in action right now. Match number B from the USL Championship, the second division here in the United States. They have reached their semifinal. Most interesting looking matchup to us looked like number three, Charleston Battery versus number five, Louisville City. That is Charleston out of South Carolina, by the way. That'll become relevant a little bit later in the show. Series between these two, it has been all Louisville with an eight, seven, and two record since they started up. Uh, This year, they've only played a couple of draws, one-to-one in Louisville and in Charleston. uh, Nobody scored. You can catch the semifinal 7.30 in the evening ESPN, and that is Eastern time, by the way, and I should say ESPN Plus, rather. Charleston Battery, they were founded 20 years ago. That uh, puts them at tide pretty much with Richmond Kickers for the longest continuously running pro soccer team in the U.S. Three times they have won various Division II titles. The names of the leagues have changed over the years. Their quality is not. The last trophy of that sort was in 2012. Last year, they were nowhere near a trophy. They weren't even allowed to polish when they finished in 12th place in the East. No playoffs for them. They are the top remaining seed in the East. The very top two seeds went out in the first round, surprisingly, uh, Tampa and Pittsburgh. Talk about disappointed fan bases. By the way, there is a big gap between the top three 
uh, in wins and everybody else in the East. So advantage Charleston in that particular regard here. They advanced to the semifinal over number seven, Birmingham Legion, a three to one handily. Very well-balanced team, number four offense, number five defense, nothing surprising there. So let's talk key players. Number one in assists on the league with 11, Fidel Barajas, American left winger, just 17 years old. Uh, PSV Eindhoven over in the Netherlands, uh, one of the big three over there. They've actually been tracking him since before his 16th birthday. Don't be surprised if he makes a move sometime after the season is done and over to uh, the Dutch league. Tied for number one in clean sheets with 13 on the year is Trey Muse. He was on the average in save percentage and uh, really didn't have to make a lot of saves. He was amongst the lowest in the league in saves per 90 minutes needing to be made. He directs his defense uh, in front of him very, very well. They make him look even better than he might actually be. Uh, he was with Seattle, by the way, early in his career, but I don't believe he ever made any senior appearances for the Sounders. With two goals in the postseason, leading them has been Emilio Icaza, plays midfielder. Team's current form, uh, a 3-1 stretch of four straight home matches. There's where they stand right now, and they get another one here. Uh, they've also won three straight matches with an eight-against-one goal differential. They have been looking great. Uh, closer to home for us, Just we're just a couple hours from Louisville, so we're pulling for them, we noobs. Say, go fight, win, Louisville. That's exactly right. Go Fight Win is the greatest cheer in the world because it fits in every athletic and even a lot of non-athletic uh, scenarios, and you don't even have to mention a team. Just go fight win. Trust us. It works great. All right, Louisville. They were founded in 2014, already have two league titles to their credit. Uh, they won back-to-back in 2017 and 18. Last year, they won the Eastern Conference and got as far as the semifinals. They advanced uh, – to the semifinal over number eight, Detroit City, 4-0. Great season for uh, new folks, uh, Detroit, and a great win they got over the number one seed, Pittsburgh, but it has come to an end for them. Louisville's offense is where they have struggled from. They don't even get a, a goal and a quarter uh, per match. They're not anywhere near the top half, even in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the defense is a little bit better. Uh, they give up less than one and a third goals per match. They really overachieved in getting this particular seed. I'm rooting for them, but I don't like their odds here. I think Charleston's a tough matchup. Begging to disagree with me. Key players, uh, second best in clean sheets in the league was Oliver uh, Semley. He was pretty average on a save percentage and near the bottom in saves per 90. So he had those things in common uh, with the the goalkeeper who'll be across the field from today. This is just his second pro season. He was with the Colorado Rapids last year, but he didn't make any senior team appearances. Tied for number one at event goals with three is Cameron uh, Lancaster, an English forward. Uh, he came up with Tottenham Hotspur, which means we don't care for him at all. And even made one senior appearance from them, which will probably cause a hex to be placed on him that can never be removed. Uh, he played from some for Nashville in MLS in 2019 and 2020. Team's current form, two straight wins after an 0-1 and 2 stretch. So they're coming into form now. Match number three. More Saturday action here stateside as we head to Macomb County, northern Michigan, the outskirts of the greater Detroit area, where uh, number B from their league, Michigan Stars, will be taking on number four, Albion San Diego, in the NISA semifinal. That's a tier three league, the National Independent Soccer Association. So this is something different than uh, the USL. The winners will get either number three, LA Force, or number six, Flower City Union. 
but I didn't even bother to look up a gambling line on this because we're going to get to know exactly how to bet this one pretty shortly. We haven't heard from him in a few weeks. He is back. Our 3,500-year-old soothsayer, Noob Stradamus, take us away and tell us how to bet on this one. Almighty soothsayer. Greetings from the Thracian plains of Greece. Tis I. I tried to break away, but only you, Noob, have the original formula Fresca I crave, it seems. So since I do enjoy drawing in the power of the lotus leaf, <sighs> for sucker score divination, I once again travel through space and time. Darkness descends, then lifts. I sit in a void, if comfortably. There is only a dark, ginormous screen before me. Soundlessly, it comes on. I am faced with a picture of... Dave Collier. Okay, uh... Sure, I, I liked him in Full House. Uh, the screen goes dark again. An eternity within a moment passes. There is no change in the void. Then, the screen alights again. Dave Poulier. Same picture. Fine, it's my lotus leaf after all. If the Universal Infinite wishes to convey some message to me this way, I'm down. Then the screen goes dark again. It alights. Dave Poulier. I peer intensely, hoping to find a difference between this and the others. The answer awaits me there. But the same image. Dark, a light, Dave Coulier. I, I lean back, a, a patient man after 3,500 years. <laughs> Soon I, I, I've lost count of the number of these instances. Uh, Dave Coulier, I turn away from his visage. D Dave Coulier, after, uh, I start to worry about the little sleep and mind, even though from mine own stash. Dave Coulier, I strike at the screen. But though it appears close, I cannot come close to reaching it. Dave Coulier. <laughs> I squirm my seat, impatient for change. Oh, Dave Coulier, Dave Coulier, Dave Coulier, Dave Coulier. My precious mind is melted. But then, at last, a change, an image, of me, of me, uh, of me, and the void, calm and collected, uh, stares back at me. Darkness, uh, me, darkness, me. Uh, Dave Coulier is gone. I, I am, I am Dave Coulier. No, we are Dave Coulier, all of us. Yes. It makes sense, altogether surprising, and yet uh, things could be no other way. <laughs> I understand in my soul. Uh, 
the vision fades. Uh, noob of the Macomb County native is oneness. Michigan Stars will win. One to zero. I have seen and I have spoken. On behalf of the Olsen twins. Match number four. Well, as strange as that was, at least we got a score out of him. That's not always the case. Now we know how to bet on it. Okay. Dave Coulier, Fulham House from the greater Detroit area, Macomb County. I get that. And as for the rest, well, kids, if you know, you know. If you don't, use your Google machine powers and make it worth your while. All right. Match number four. We have a rule on this show that if there is a top league match anywhere in the world where the teams are tied on points at the top of the table and there are at least a few matches into the season, we are there. And not that we wouldn't be happy to go anyway. This is part of the fun of this show. Match number four, a Saturday one from Thailand where their top flight is called League One. They've been climbing. This is the number eight ranked league in all of the AFC. That's the Asian Football Confederation. One of their teams will get to go to the next Champions League elite group stage where what anywhere else would just be called Champions League. And then they will also send somebody to Champions League 2, their secondary tournament. They're renaming things that right now as it's being played is still called AFC Cup. So point being, two of their teams will get to go to international play, one to a higher tournament than the other one. Uh, They're almost uh, a third of the way through the season here, moderately early. Nevertheless, you've got an absolute classic matchup for this league at the top. Number one, Port FC versus number B, Bangkok United. Series between these two, Bangkok dominated, accruing an 8-7-2 record over the last few years. But Porter number one right now, they lead on one little point on goal differential, but Bangkok United have two matches in hand. So it is really important that Port defend their home turf here for them to uh, maintain any sort of realistic advantage over uh, Bangkok U. And by the way, the pair of them lead number three, BG Patum United, by just one point. So it's not a two-horse race, at least not yet. All right, Port FC, talking about them first. Uh, they play out of Bangkok as well from the district called Klong Atoi, T-O-E-I. It's in the central part of the country. It's a river port city, and it's really known uh, for what most would call its slum. Uh, 2017 population was about 100,000. And, uh, and going back to 2006, there were at least 80,000 people in what would be called uh, informal settlement type housing, so a lot of stuff built right on the river, like stilts and all. They are known as the Port Lions. Ugh, Lions again. Somebody do something different. Uh, They've never won a league title, but they have played in at least four Champions Leagues. And in fact, 2021, when they got to the group stage, that was the best they've ever done. And the last two times they have lost in the playoff round, just directly preceding the group stage. Last year in league, they finished in third place. This year, they've got the number one offense by a load, getting exactly three goals per match. They're just barely above average on defense, though, giving up almost one and a half per. But things are pretty tight when it comes to defensive stats so far in this league. They've got the number one overall goal differential, and they are your favorites pretty much anywhere, most especially at home. Key players to look for, tied for second best in scoring with five is Tirasak. Uh Poe Faime, he is 21 years old, and he's made seven national team appearances already for his home country. Second best in assistant league with four is Pakom Prempak. 
prim pack. That sounds like a, you know, a sort of a mid season deal that you could get from uh, whatever network is handling all the premier league stuff over in England domestically. Oh, there's only 40% of the season left. Well, for $10 a month, I can get the prim pack. Maybe it was funnier in my head. I don't care. I liked it. P R E M P A K. Number three overall goals and assists, and maybe their team MVP, though. He's got seven when you add up the two. Is their homegrown midfielder, Borden Fala. 33 national team appearances for him. So if you follow any kind of you know world national team ball, you probably know his name. Team's current form, a 1-2 loss at number 13. Uh, Sukhothai snapped a three-match win streak for them. And now Bangkok United, known as the Bangkok Angels. Uh, they play in the Patum Thani province, which is uh, to the north of Bangkok proper. But they are part of the definite you know, Bangkok greater area. They were founded in 1988 as a university team and then founded again, uh, probably more purely professionally in 2014. They have an affiliation, by the way, that's kind of fun with FC Tokyo. That's done much better the last year or two over in the J1 League Japan. They've won one league title. That was in 2006. Last year, they nearly got their second place finish. They are currently in the Champions League, still alive group stage, undefeated at the halfway mark for that. This is tied for the best they've ever done in that event, by the way. They are your only undefeated team left in this league, and they have done it on balance. Number uh, B on defense, number three on offense, getting over two and a quarter goals per match, by the way. Key player to look for, tied for second best in league scoring with five, is Mahmoud Aid from uh, the Palestinian state. He plays left winger for them. Interestingly, he spent most of his senior career in various places in Scandinavian countries. By the way, he's also tied for number one in assists in the league with five. And uh, the app that I really like for rating purposes of uh, Footmob uh, puts him at second best overall in value in the entire league. Tied for second best in interceptions per 90 minutes is one of their key starters, uh, getting uh, almost two and three quarters per match is uh, Aberton from uh, Brazil. He is a center back veteran, 33 years old. And uh, number three, by the way, I want to mention in uh, Footmob rating is uh, Titipan Puang Chan. He plays central midfielder for them. So they've got a really outstanding pair of players that are vying for league MVP. Team's current form. Uh, their only draw this season so far was a nil-nil affair at home versus number 11, Wang Tong United, and that was all the way back in mid-August. Match number five. Person Noob, our first Sunday match has a little bit of a connection to you. While, uh, while Lexington is not involved with it, they did not make the playoffs in the Tier 3 League 1. We have been to see a Tier 3 League 1 match, haven't we? Yeah, we got to see Lexington SC's first ever win up in Georgetown, maybe only about oh, an hour and 15 minutes from where we live. Uh-huh. Go fight win Lexington. Win. Yes, we're all about the go fight winning. But like I said, they didn't make the playoffs for this particular one. Our first Sunday match is the USL League One final, and it is between number B from the regular season, North Carolina FC versus Charlotte Independence. And things have been dead even on their series over the years. Eight, two, and eight are the records they carry uh, this season in North Carolina. They won 2-0 the first time, only earned a 1-1 draw the other time. Charlotte won at their place 2-1, and now here they are again. Can North Carolina get the victory? I believe so. Let's find out why. I would take them even at just plus 120. I think they've got a distinct advantage here. Uh, they'll be hosting this in Cary, North Carolina, a suburb of Raleigh from which they hail. They've won two regular season titles. Uh, the most recent one was 2013. 
Uh, 2010, they were runners up in a very short-lived league by this name, the D2 Pro League, but that's the best playoff finish that they've ever had. Last year, they were in last place, number 11. What a bounce back that they could go worst to first. Just incredible. Done it on balance, a little bit stronger on defense, giving up a little bit under one and a quarter goals per match. They finished the regular season with a number all three goal differential. Things. This was one of the best league races anywhere. There were, with a month to go, there were six teams that honestly could have taken the title. I wouldn't want to bet on any of it. Key players to look for. Number B in scoring on the league with 17 was Olex Anderson, representing internationally for uh, St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Don't get to see that a lot. On the foot mile bath, uh, league MVP looks like it's Rafael Mensigan, their Brazilian left winger, 13 goals, five assists to go with them, and he tracks back very well on defense. I believe that this match is going to be on ESPN Plus at 5 o'clock, not because I've seen ESPN Plus as the site, by the way, but just because it carried all the regular season games. I can't imagine why they wouldn't have this one. So you can look for him all over the field. Team's current form, they've won three straight. They are unbeaten in six, and they beat a very good Northern Colorado Hailstorm team three to one in the semifinal. And now Charleston. This is the farthest they've gotten the independence in 14-year history. Last year, they finished in sixth place, made the playoffs, but were out in the quarterfinal or first round. This year, the defense has been a little bit below average. They make up for it some on offense. They were number four in that regard, uh, getting a little bit over one and a half goals per match. That sounds pretty good, but this is a very high scoring league. And they were number four on goal differential. You can see why I'm not really big on Charleston on the road. Defense travels and they just don't seem to have a ton of it. Their MVP on the year, in my opinion, has been their midfielder who represents for Liberia, the singularly named Joel. Uh, He's got six goals and four assists on the year. Good tackler, and he's uh, more defensively oriented, I would say. Despite all those goals, he gets a ton of clearances. And then worth mentioning is their goalkeeper. Number two in save percentage on the year has been Austin Pack. It's the defense in front of him that I think is a bit lasting, I, I, or lacking rather. I think he faces a lot of shots. Team's current form, uh, they entered the playoffs on an 0-2-1 stretch, but they won in the semifinals on penalty kicks at Omaha, which is no easy feat. Played them to a nil-nil draw, showing some defense before winning it on penalties. Kitties care not if we got crazy with the chronology. They simply demand a recap of last week's matches any way they can get it. We shall give it to them backwards. Last week, match number 10 was a Wednesday match for Major League Soccer. Playoffs for first round, Columbus Crew versus Atlanta United. Columbus, Columbus took that match 2-1. Saturday, match number 9 from the USL League 1 semifinals. Number B, North Carolina took on number 3, Northern Colorado. It was Carolina getting a 3-1 win. Match number 8 from the USL Championship quarterfinals. Number B in the West, Orange County, took on number six, Phoenix Rising. And it was Phoenix getting a road 1-2 win and added extra time. Guy we said to look for, Danny Trejo. Not the actor, though. That would be awesome. He had the opening goal of the match. Match number seven was the Copa Sudamericana final for Fortaleza. Uh, they played against LDU to Quito. And it was the Ecuadorians, LDU, getting a win 1-1 in regular time plus extra. And then winning it 3-4 on penalty kicks. Congratulations on the major trophy. 
Match number six from the NISA quarterfinals. Number four, Albion San Diego took on number five, Maryland Bobcats. They played to a nil-nil draw, had to go to penalty kicks, and it was Albion taking that eight to seven. Yeah, that took a minute. Match number five was the Canadian Premier League playoff final, number B, Forge versus number one, Cavalry. And it was the usual power Forge getting a win. It took them added extra time as well. They won two to one. All three of the goals in this match were scored in action, added extra time. Really interesting. Uh, Cavalry actually scored first. That was uh, done by a guy that we said to look for, Ali Musi, M-U-S-S-E. Sunday match number four from the 2024 Cav Women's Gold Cup qualifiers. Number one, uh, Guyana took on number B, Suriname. It was Guyana getting the 1-0 win. Player we said to look for, Otesha Charles. She had a goal. There was no change at the table here, though. Match number three took us to Mexico, the 2023-24 Aventura stage of the MX, where number three, surprising San Luis, took on number one, America. Not surprisingly, America got a win. Even on the road, not surprising. 0-1, that knocked San Luis down to number six. Wednesday, match number B from the CONCACAF Central American Cup. This was a uh, play-in match between Saprisa and Matagua. And by play-in, I mean that the winner gets to move on to the next CONCACAF Champions Cup. And the result was a resounding won Saprisa with a 4-0 win over the Hondurans Matagua. Thursday was match number one, the CONCACAF Caribbean Cup semifinal, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie, where the winner of the two-legged tie gets to move on to the CONCACAF Champions Cup, whether they win the final or not. We looked at Mocha from the Dominican Republic versus Robin Hood from Suriname, and it was Robin Hood getting a 0-1 win, and then they won 3-2 on penalty kicks. Congratulations to them. Mocha is not dead, though. They will now be seen in a playoff match. And now your bonus matches with explanations to come later. The route of the week was a Sunday match from Belgium's First Division A. Number 16, Westerlo. They lost to number one, Union St. Gilois, 1-3. An American we said to look for, Griffin Yao, had an assist on the game-opening goal. Match of disappointment, excuse me, your most meaningless match in the world was a Sunday match from the Chinese Super League number 10, Henan versus number 9, Cheng Chung Yatai. And they played to a very meaningless 1 1 draw. Appropriately, no change in the table there. And finally, your match of disappointment, the bottom two teams from Burundi faced off on Wednesday. Number 16, Magari Young Boys versus number 15, Tel Aviv. Magari Young Boys remain winless. They went down 0 2, no change in the table there. And that concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive right back into the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. So now it's time for... Aminals, Aminals, Aminals from around the world. Oh yeah. Yeah, just as we started to sing, up jumped one of your Aminals. Hello, Aminals. This is the kitty who's not fat, but what is... I, I've been learning some, some comp, pop culture... Cat terminology. He is. He is a chunky little boy. Yes, and I learned, and I'm not sure that you knew at the time. Our other cat, who is with the runt of a litter, he is small. Small. S M O L, not small. Small. Okay. <laughs> I think there's a subtle difference in how it's pronounced there. But pretty. this kitty's not in danger. We're not here to talk about him. We're here to talk about something from around Oregon, right? No. 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 You didn't. You're not going to tell us about an injured, endangered animal from the Pacific Northwest? No. Where uh, the soccer game is being hosted? No. What are we here to talk about then? The best endangered animal ever. Not, but not in the Pacific Northwest. All right, tell me more. All right. This, all right, this animal, there is only one, one breed left. Well, one animal of the breed left in the entire world. 
Okay. Guess what it is? Uh, I don't know. A, a pterodactyl on an island. No. I... It's Snoopy from Charlie Brown. Snoopy is not an endangered yes, animal. You covered your face in shame and yes, laughter as soon as you said it. Yes, he, he, is. he is a beagle. If he were, if he weren't a cartoon, he is a beagle, and a beagle is not an endangered animal. But he acts like a human. He is half. He is. He is seventy-five percent beagle and like ten percent human. So you're claiming that an anthropomorphized cartoon beagle is an endangered animal. All right, there's a particular reason that you want to talk about Snoopy, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, what is it? Tell us about it. He's the best dog in the history of dogs. Yeah, and you had a Snoopy experience recently, didn't you? Yeah. I went to a play, um, a Charlie Brown play, R really good play, by the way, um, and there was a, uh, there was a girl, actually a girl who played Snoopy. She was amazing. Was she in a full costume, kind of like a sports mascot would be, or did she, could you tell clearly it was a human and she just had some makeup and other things on? Yeah, she uh, a, a little hat with some um, ears on, like a white suit on. Gotcha, but you can see her real face and stuff like yeah. that. Oh, okay, so that's good, because those costumes and mascot costumes are really hot. I used to play a moose back in my radio days. Thankfully, that was endangered, because uh, I don't do that now. Good. It was the Q moose back in my top 40 radio DJing days. Anyway, but you had a Snoopy experience. Uh, your school, and it allows for cool experiences like this, it's a laboratory school directly attached geographically and in a kind of philosophy to the local university. So this was a university play, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Were all the kids college kids, do you think? Or were some of them from elsewhere? Um, They were, um, however many characters there were, um, they were um, all... What's for um, college students uh, in the theater department? Gotcha, acting majors. I used to be one of those for a while. Maybe I could have been a professional Snoopy. Maybe. Then I would be endangered. Not because Beagle's not endangered. Yes, so, it is. So tell me what, how, how, and why was this a, such a formative experience for you? What well, all happened? Well, um, first of all, Snoopy was just amazing because it's Snoopy. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm a fan. Um, I, uh, I, I, they did a lot of interaction with the crab because um, for some reason they celebrated like five million holidays before getting to Halloween. Uh, and it was the Halloween play. They did it in April Fools. They did um, a Valentine's and Beethoven Day. Mm -hmm. um, for Beethoven Day, they, uh, they threw th three shirts into the crowd. Uh, they said Beethoven Day, only three. And there were like 200 kids there. Uh, my friend Foster got one. Wow, that's really cool. So was it Snoopy related or no? Um, no, but no. it was cool. But there was other Snoopy stuff that happened, wasn't there, yeah. for you? Mm. Um, I was in the um uh, in the front of the line when we were all going up, so I got to sit in the front. Uh, and then Snoopy, uh, they were celebrating Valentine's Day, and Snoopy went in the crowd uh, and gave it and gave some people some Valentines. I got one. Yeah. Does it have words on it? Does it say anything? I know it was heart shaped. I saw that. It. Mine said to you to you. Oh, good thing that's not generic. Oh, I'm ruining your experience. <laughs> oh, also, my friend um, Kinley got a high five from Snoopy, and I high five Kinley, so I have Snoopy remains. Gotcha. So you got like, let's call it, a, most things in the world go by an 80-20 rule. So you, let's say you got a 20% high five from Snoopy. So yeah. it's like a 20% of five is one. So you got, you got a high one from Snoopy. Slap pinkies. Bringing it back. No, we're not bringing it back. It was never around. We just brought it forward. Exactly. Now we should let it go to the back, shouldn't we? Yeah. Probably. So you had a great time at the Snoopy play. And while he is not an endangered animal, yes, he we, is. people 
people listen to this show because they enjoy learning about you and your life even more than the soccer. So this is a really fun new middle. You're getting to do so many cool things at your new middle school, aren't you? What? Uh, let's talk just real briefly. What have you been doing for sports? Um, um, basketball season just ended, and um. I'm doing archery, which just started. Yeah, and your school is a, is a small school, and so the basketball team, you know, middle school, it struggled. You didn't have any eighth graders, but that's okay. Everybody was learning. But archery, that's a whole different thing, isn't it? Your school, I don't know if you know or not, but your school is ranked something like independent of size. It's like the second best school in the state or something for all the archery. Yeah. Which is a big deal in, in the state of Kentucky. Yeah. Basketball also just started. Uh, I was on the um, girls' basketball team, mm-hmm. which was very unpopular. No one showed up to the games, and it ended within like the first month of school. Well, that's right. Middle school sports don't tend to draw a lot of student population anyway. Yeah, they do. They do, really? Literally, almost everyone in the school was talking about soccer. It was on the announcements every single day. Everyone knew about it. Everyone loved the soccer team. Like said, we were going on at the same time, and no one came to Oregon. Maybe you should play on the soccer team, given kind of what you do here. The soccer, the soccer season <laughs> ended like a week ago. Well, but you could try out next year if you wanted. No pressure. No. Not like I grew up playing soccer. That's why we're noobs. <laughs> we. Wait, if I play soccer, would I still be a noob? Hmm, inquiring minds in this cat who is sitting right next to the microphone and staring at me want to know. That's right. You'll have you'll have your role shortly before we do the recap. Cat, why are you staring at me? He wants the recap right now. We'll get to it soon enough. Alright, so anything else Snoopy related to tell us about? Also, we we want your opinion. Is Snoopy the best character in Charlie Brown? Yes? Okay. I would, I would, I would say yes. He's the only, he's the only character I think from uh, the Peanuts gang who would also get his own like shows or side adventures. And obviously Woodstock joins him, but Woodstock, I mean, that's the sidekick. So Snoopy, I think, is the clear-cut favorite of the Charlie Brown gang. Yes. And I love the way he dances, where he just hops on the two feet with his head stretched, you know, so his neck stretched way out and his ears flop down. And it always says in Spanish "Allegro" for some reason, or at least that's how I always remember it. And he dances around super fast, his feet moving with the little motion lines. Yeah. So. He's a favorite for me. But I can tell you some real things about beagles if you're ready. And how they relate to endangered animals. Yes. But first, Mm -hmm. but first we must agree. Woodstock and Snoopy are the best Charlie Brown characters. If you disagree, I'm going to smack you in the face. Wow, such violence. All right, Beagles. I found a couple, because I really didn't know that we were going to talk about Snoopy, of course. Uh, one of these, I'm not sure of the veracity, but Beagles have a relationship to endangered animals. I, I saw some headlines and some bylines of articles that indicated that in China that they are trying to like save, rescue, or help protect, if you will, endangered animal populations like the Arctic wolves by having Beagles give birth to them. What? I do not know if that's true or not. But something I did read that is much more likely to be true is that beagles, while not endangered themselves, are actually used to, are one of the kinds of animals that are used to, are trained and used to protect uh, rhinos, like in Africa, from poachers. So the beagles are very good at those particular kind of duties. So beagles are not endangered, and yet they don't not belong on... Animals from from around around the the world. world. Snoopy's amazing. Match number seven. 
We head to Africa for match number seven. For one, I almost felt like I could break the rule if I wanted to, which I really don't, about teams being tied and us requiring ourselves to cover them. Talking about the Malawi Super League in this instance, by the way, Malawi, if you're not familiar, happens to be uh, one of the least developed nations in the entire world. But hey, they've got top flight football and we are there. The league is unranked uh, by the uh, Confederation of African Football. They only rate about the top uh, half of the teams roughly on the continent. The season here is nearly over. That's part of the reason I want to cover this. And of course, they are tied and we love going everywhere. Talking about number one, Nyasa Big Bullets versus number B, Mighty Wanderers. Now, Big Bullets only lead by 10 on goal differential, but they actually have three matches in hand. It is absolutely imperative, I think, for Mighty Wanderers to pull a road upset in this one. Otherwise, Big Bullets are going to win yet another title. And by the way, just so you have a look at the rest of it, they're not completely up, but Mighty Wanderers lead number three, Silver Strikers, another very strong team, by six points in the table. All right, let's talk about Big Bullets first. They play out of the city of uh, Blantyre in the south-central part of the country. It's the second second biggest one by population, uh, well over 800,000, but it is the financial and industrial hub of the entire nation. Uh, basically, think of those teams in Malawian, if that's the right demonym, terms as the New York Yankees. They have the most supporters, the most money, and the most support from ownership. They were actually founded in 1966 by a group of players who broke off from the existing Mighty Wanderers Club. So this is a really big derby in terms of that and in terms of geography. Both teams are from Blantyre. They're sponsored by the Nyasa Manufacturing Company. And of course, this country used to be known as Nyasa Land. 16 titles they have won since 1996, and I couldn't quite tell for certain at a glance they're either the two or the three-time defending champs. 2004, they made the Champions League group stage. That was the best they've ever done. This year, they advanced to the second of the two qualifying rounds before dipping out. They have only one league loss on the season. Everybody else has at least four. So these are your runaway favorites for the crown. The defense has been excellent, but they've had the number one offense by miles. And what is a very low scoring league? They get over one and three quarters goals per match. They've got the number one overall goal differential as well. Team's current form, they have won three straight with an eight versus four goal differential. And now the Wanderers, they are mighty. Again, also from Blantyr. They were founded by Portuguese immigrants. And uh, they they are, uh, I won't say they have an official affiliation, but their supporters uh, way back when it got founded, they were big FC Porto fans. So mighty Wanderers are also the blue and the white. And I imagine there's an affinity still there for the Portuguese club. They haven't been past the Champions League first round in any of their four appearances. They have won six league, six league titles, though, 2017 the most recent. Last year, they were a little bit off the pace, finishing in fourth place. Uh, this year, it is the defense, even in a league where, like I said, goals come at a premium. They're barely giving up more than one every other match, and that is the best in the league. Uh, team's current form, they have won two straight on the road uh, with a nil four goal differential. Match number eight. Still on Sunday, we're headed over to England for a match that admittedly would be uh, tough, probably in a, oh, I don't know, court of law to say this is one of the most paramount matches in the world. But from our favorite event in the world, the FA Cup over in England, we are always going to go minnow watching. There are still three amateur tier eight teams alive that have gotten through however many of the six qualifying rounds that they had to play 
This is the beginning of the event, the first round pop proper. And the one that we followed a couple of weeks back and won their match, we're going to follow them until they're gone. But boy, do they get a tough matchup. So let's tell you a little bit about this round. Uh, the 32 qualifying round winners uh, joined 48 teams, all from League One and League Two. Those are fully national and professional leagues. They represent the third and fourth tiers of football in England. Only three level eight teams made it to the event proper. We are still following Cray Valley Paper Mills, but they got the toughest draw of the bunch. They're heading to one of them. They're heading to Charlton Athletic in League One. They're going to be on the road against a tier three team. And let's learn a little bit about Charlton first before we review uh, Cray Valley PM. Uh, They are known as the Addicts. A-D-D-I-C-K-S, not addicts. It is a dropping of the H. I'm sure there's a linguistic term for haddock. As many moons ago, uh, a certain head coach used to reward the players with haddock dinners that came with chips and vinegar. Uh, By the way, if you're wondering, Charleston is in the southeast uh, portion of London in uh, the Greenwich borough. It has about 15,000 people there. They won a single Division I title all the way back in 1936-37. But they were in the Premier League for several years, as recently as the mid-late 2000s. That was probably seven or eight years before I started following football at all. I had no idea that Charlton was ever, it wasn't a team I'd heard of, let alone one I'd known that had been in the Premier League at any point, or what is now the Premier League. They won the second division, by the way. This was before it was called the EFL Championship in 1999-2000. They won this event, the FA Cup, in 1946-47. Uh, currently, they're doing okay-ish in League One. They're in num- 11th place out of 24 teams, tied for number three on offense. In a league that's not that high scoring, they get one and two-thirds goals per match, but they're below average on defense. They've only had three draws, interestingly, so it has been very much sink or swim for them. Key player to look for, tied for number one in league scoring with 11, is Alfie May. He is a striker. Uh, this marks a return to this club for him after having been there early in his career. Tied for number one in assists, Corey Blackett-Taylor. He actually started his career with Aston Villa and came up there you know, as a youth, but he just made one senior appearance for them. And now our heroes, Cray Valley Paper Mills. Uh, they advanced over Enfield Town, a game again that we covered a couple weeks ago, fourth qualifying on 5-2, to two, a real shootout. They are known as the Millers, which is not surprising given their name. Uh, they are from, I'm still not sure if it's pronounced Eltham or Eltham, E-L-T-H-A-M, but I can tell you that it's in the east-southeast greater London area. It's a borough of Greenwich, so they're not having to travel very far here. I love their crest. It says, aspire to gold in Latin, expital oris. Uh, They play in the Isthmian League, southeast division, tier eight. So even if they were to jump all the way up and win that, uh, they would be tier seven, but they would actually still be in the Isthmian League, just in the top division of it. Uh, they reached the first round proper of this event just a couple of years ago, 2020-21. This year, they entered at the preliminary round. So they had to play either five or all six of the rounds. So they have had a, they've had a brutal way to go, a lot of match congestion. They advanced to this round over level seven, uh, Carshalton Athletic last round. This was one of the cases, talk about your match congestion. They played them to a draw. Uh, three to three in the first time they played and that. That meant they had to play a replay and uh, Cray Valley paper Mills won that one, two to one. They finished number six in league play last year. Currently um, they're in 10th place 
in their league, but they'd only just played a few matches compared to six to 10 matches for the other ones. So it's really not a good comparison. They're definitely much more than an average team. In fact, they're undefeated. They're three, two and oh, it looks like uh, it's pretty safe to say they've got the top offense at that level, getting three and a half plus per match. That does not mean that they're going to be able to do anything, but sit back and hope for the best against, you know, a truly professional side. It'll be interesting to see how Cray Valley decide to play it, but three and a half per goals per game. They're used to pushing. I say, why not just stay, stay who you are. They give up over one and a half goals on defense. And that's where I'm afraid they're really going to be in trouble on the road. Might give up a lot of goals. Match number nine. Time for our final Sunday match, except that I could wait no longer. I have held out. But as usual, my tumbly is getting a little bit rumbly. It's time to take a culture break. And that means we're going to talk about food. I'll tell you what match we would be talking about and why we're going to pass on it. Just sort of for the moment. Talking about Serie A over in Italy, the women's side. It is the fifth-ranked league in all of UEFA. Their champion will get to go to the second of two qualifying rounds for the Champions League next year. Their runners-up will get to go to the first qualifying round. It is very early in the season. In fact, uh, for full-length seasons, I tend to wait till at least we're five matches in. That's exactly where each of these teams is, which is why we're going to take a pass on doing a full mini-preview for number B, Juventus, taking on number one, Roma. It's still going to be a fabulous match. These are the two teams you would expect uh, to be there. Both of them are 5-0-0 currently. Roma, they lead Juventus by seven on goal differential. Now, while sometimes we won't talk about food, we usually do, and I give some kind of recipe for a dish. This time it's going to be sort of a lesson, not that I'm really teaching you so much as we're learning together. Uh, Juventus, uh, they play up in uh, Turin in the uh, province or region of uh, Piedmont, and it is very famous both for its beef and for its cheeses, and this is because it's a very healthy grassland area and some of the cleanest air in the world. So both the beef and cheeses are very famous for being healthy healthy and good. And we're going to learn about six of the best cheeses in this area incredibly briefly. Yeah, you know, it's not soccer, but you don't come here just for soccer, do you? First of all, we'll talk about uh, Pagliarina. It is a soft, creamy cheese, cow's milk specifically, and it's aged for 10 or 20 days, and yet it remains delicate buttery with a slight nutty bite. All right, interesting. Castomagno, uh, this is a cow's milk cheese. Again, not all of them are going to be. And this one is uh, protected both for its name and by the Slow Food Presidium. If you're not familiar with the Slow Food Movement, uh, check it out. It's all about local ingredients and you know protecting traditional dishes and things like this. It's awesome. This is a semi-hard cheese and it works really well. In a, like if you go to, a, not an olive garden, but somewhere you know good, um, nothing wrong with Olive Garden. Please sponsor us. But, you know, if you go to a traditional place, you might get this kind of cheese with risotto or with your nochi. Robiola di uh, Raccavarano, which, yes, I did have to practice saying, and I might have gotten closer, right, is another protected cheese. It's made from goat's milk, although sometimes you'll find it with cow's milk mixed in. You typically eat this by itself with a drizzle of olive oil and a pinch of salt, you know, and then uh, you can also use it in a lot of stuffings. Uh, it's very acidic. That's why it does well in a, stuff, in a stuffing with other things to kind of soak up that flavor. Next up is Roscara, which is made from a mixture of skim, cow, goat, and sheep's milk. I've never run into one that used all three specifically. And it's a semi-hard cheese, and you'll actually only find it made in the province of Cuneo nearby. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, Montabore Tiered. This is a raw cow and sheep's milk cheese made in the province of Alessandria. It's another one that is uh, uh, had its eye kept on it by the slow food presidium. It's very rich. A lot of sweet notes with it. So if you've got a fruit tray and you're in Italy, this in Northeast Italy, this is the kind of cheese that you're most likely going to have served with it. Tomino, it's a cow's milk cheese, soft on the inside, but it's uh, encompassed by a thin crust, uh, crunchy, and it's uh, like some some cheeses, they cure them and then they take the rind off. This is definitely more of a crust. It's edible and you're supposed to eat both together. It's very mild. You can enjoy it on its own. It's suggested that it's eaten with uh, uh, warm. You could even make finger sandwiches out of it. It's good with bread and cured meats both. And now the one that I find most interesting, Betelmont. It's a soft toma cheese, and it's a it gets a little bit hard. It's a little hard to get your hands on, rather, because it's only made in the summertime. It's a seasonal cheese, and only in one area, the Val Formazza, the Formazza Valley, milk from local cows, and then it's flavored with an herb called Motolina that only grows on the mountaintops overlooking this valley. I think stuff like that is just awesome. Uh, Betelmont. This is the one I want to try most. So bad. Uh, it's supposed to have a smell of like wine and ripe fruit. It's really complex with its layers of flavor. Uh, you'll get notes of herbs, butter, and hard-boiled egg. Interesting. But again, it's a unique limited production cheese and is sure to delight alpine cheese lovers or just plain old cheese lovers like me, alpine or otherwise. I'll try anything, but Betelmat is the one I really want to get my hands on. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. Yes, finally, daughter dearest, and this is also our first match that is finally not a weekend match. Our featured MLS playoff match of the week happens to be happening on Monday, talking about number five, Real Salt Lake, versus number four, Houston Dynamo. They're in the first round of the playoffs in Major League Soccer, and they're not doing single elimination games like they've done before. They are now having a best-of-three series. No draws, nothing on aggregate. That means if it finishes, uh, you know, a tied at the end of 90 minutes, they'll and maybe some extra time, they will go to penalty kicks. So Houston has a chance to wrap things up in advance if they can get a road win. They won the first leg at their place, two to one being the better seed. Uh, the series between these two has been fairly even. Real Salt Lake have had a little bit better of it. Ten wins against seven draws and eight losses. You can catch this edition at 9 o'clock Eastern Time on Apple TV with MLS Pass. Real Salt Lake. All right, hold on. Let me climb up onto my soapbox. I've always got to say it. Real is a stupid name. It means royal in Spanish. We don't have anybody who is knighting people or dubbing clubs royal here in the States. The owner at that time simply thought it would be cool to go with a European convention. Okay, I can see that. But he was also trying to artificially like forge and get the attention of Real Madrid specifically. Wanted to have a relationship with them of some kind. And obviously Real Madrid didn't give a rat's you-know-what one way or the other about that. So it's a dumb name. All right, now I'll climb back out of my uh, down off my soapbox. Still don't like it. <laughs> They'll be hosting this at their place. America First Stadium used to be known as Rio Tinto. And a couple of years back, this place was a fortress for them. They had one of the best home percentages when it came to winning, even when it was very hard to win anywhere on the road in Major League Soccer. It's got a capacity of over 20,000 people. It's actually in Sandy, Utah, which is essentially a big suburb of Salt Lake, about 100,000 people. They've got one MLS Cup title to their credit, 2009. 2010, they made the CONCACAF Champions Cup, then Champions League, final. Best they've ever done internationally. 
Last year, they finished in seventh place, so this year is an improvement on that regular season, and uh, they went out in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, They're reasonably well-balanced this year, not that they excel in any particular way. Tied for number seven on offense in the conference, number eight on defense. Their goal differential was actually negative on the year, so good on them for being able to you know, make the playoffs and almost get into a position where they were going to get to host two of the three matches. Team MVP of the year for them, in my opinion, has been uh, Brian Ojeda from uh, Paraguay. He's central midfielder for them, just 23 years old. No, no goals and just one assist, but he is a really good passer and a very solid dribbler. He is an engine for the offense that they have. He also gets a ton of interceptions, and he's amazing on crossing accuracy, 71%. Now, <laughs> I got to tell you, I think even at home, if RSL is going to get a goal or get on the goal or get on the board first, it is going to be on a set piece. I have a feeling that is where he really excels. Team's current four, they are 1-1-2 one, one, and two in their last four. And interestingly, not only did they lose the second leg uh, to Houston, but they missed out on their chance to uh, have a home field advantage for this series by losing at Houston 1-2 to two in the last match of the regular season. So can Houston make it three wins literally in a row? They are the Orange Crush. They have won two titles back-to-backers in 2006 and 2007. Uh, they won their second MLS Open Cup, our version of the FA Cup this year, which was really impressive considering they had to do so in the final against Inter-Miami uh, back when uh, Messi was playing with them and not injured. This is their first time in the playoffs since 2018 when they made the semifinal, and I think Uh, Yeah, that's one of the best finishes they've had in recent years. Interestingly, that year they also won the U.S. Open Cup. Oh, will they be going for a double again? Interesting. I wonder if you could find a good uh, uh, bet involving both of those little things. They were very balanced as well. Just superior. uh, They're just a superior version of RSL. They're tied for number four on offense, number three on defense, third best goal differential. Uh, They're particularly better on defense. They only give give up a bit over one goal per match in that regard. Key players to look for for them, well, the goalie. He's number three in the league in clean sheets with a dozen. That's Steve Clark, veteran, 37 years old. His save percentage is only average, but you love to have a guy with that kind of experience back there in the playoffs. He directs his defense well. As far as the outfielder, outfield players, I believe their MVP has been Hector Herrera, their captain, Mexican defensive midfielder, another veteran, 33 years old. Uh, I'll tell you how good he's been in the past. Uh, he spent a long time with FC Porto, one of the big three over in Portugal, and then uh, also spent some time, made, made maybe 30 appearances or so, I believe, with Real Madrid. He's also got a hundred and change national team appearances for Mexico. And he was on the all-star team in MLS this year. He's a good passer, good dribbler, strong all around defensive stats. This isn't a guy who you will, you know, find poaching in front of the net by any means. He is a defensive midfielder by definition. Teams current four and they're unbeaten in six have won three straight, albeit all at home. It'll be interesting to see how, how they do on the road. And they Got an eight to five goal differential. I see them giving up a goal here on a set piece to Real Salt Lake. So I'll give you the money line here that I'm seeing. This is DraftKings once again. Real Salt Lake plus 125, draw plus 265. And then if you want Houston Dynamo uh, to win, that is 180. I would uh, very much take the draw here at 265. Houston is definitely the better team, but the road is the road. And that 265 just looks a little bit too good to pass up. Bring forth the bonus matches. 
As always, thank you very much to everybody who found us on Twitter, where we are Soccer Noob USA, and voted on our polls to help us determine which matches would be used for these three very unique games. The first is a first versus last place matchup. My daughter dramatically calls the route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And we're headed off to the South Pacific on Saturday. And you can bet that I had to try that at least twice. The New Caledonia Super League. New Caledonia, not familiar? Well, let's fix that. Uh, Currently a distant second to New Zealand as Australia left about a decade ago for the Asian Football Confederation. Uh, They are the second ranked team in all of the Oceania Football Confederation, which is a lot of these South Pacific countries. In all of the top seven, including this one, the top two get to go to the Champions League that they host. Uh, the last place team in this league will get relegated, and the second to last place team, number 11, will have to fight for their lives shortly in a relegation playoff match. And I say shortly because we're here just in the last couple matches of the season in this league. Your matchup, number one, Magenta, I assume it's pronounced like the color, versus number 12, last place, I like to, I'm sure it's Kanano, but I want to pronounce it Kuanano because it's like Q, yeah, fair and balanced soccer, Q A N O N, plus an O. I just like to think that the, uh, you know, the, the online right wing movement that got started, what, a little under a decade ago for some reason, is manufacturing all of their propaganda and whatnot out of New Caledonia, where they also sponsor a soccer team. It's silly, but so is this show. Magenta, uh, they lead number B, uh, Gaisa, by 16 on goal differential. So they're not going to be falling asleep in this match. Uh, This is an important one. Uh, The two of them then lead number three, uh, Hyangene Sport, by five points. Uh, Kanano Trail, Number 11, Dumbaya, by 10 points. So their fate is sealed. They are going down. It's kind of weird to think that a little country like New Caledonia actually has a second division, but that they do. All right, Magenta. They have the least intimidating crest I have ever seen. There is a football in their colors, green and white. And then there is a very large, cute little drawing of a Bambi-like doe standing perched keeping its balance on the soccer ball, not bearing its teeth or anything. It is just all adorable. Maybe their opponents find that distracting. They are a capital city team. Uh, that city is Numea, if I'm getting the pronunciation right. Uh, they've won 11 league titles, but it's been a few years since the last one, 2018. They have made five Champions League appearances. The best they ever did was making the final in 2019. Last year, they finished in third place in the league, just missing out on the Champions League. This year, they've got the number one offense by a mile, getting almost two and a half goals per match. Top three defense to go with that. Number one goal differential by over 50%. No real surprise here. They're your leaders. Team's current form, well, they've won seven straight. And now, despite the fact that they, uh, the city they play in only has two letters. I'm actually not sure of the pronunciation. It's W-E with an accent mark where Kanano play. And I have no idea what the actual meaning is. And I looked around for it, why they are called Kuanano or Kanano. So who knows? Maybe my theory holds a little water. Hey, uh, maybe not. Okay, let's go, let's pronounce it Wei. They play out of the city of Wei. Might be Wei. So on the island of Lifu, which has about 10,000 people and is the home for the provincial assembly, assembly of the Loyalty Islands. 
Last year, they finished in seventh place in the league. Uh, so you would have been more likely to find them in our second match of the bonuses. You'll find out momentarily if you're new. They had the worst offense, the only team not managing a goal per match, and then the worst defense as well. But we're always looking for reasons to think, is there any chance this team could get a win? That's the way we are with the route of the week. Could they stay afloat for any length of time? Well, guess what? Not only are they having this at home, which is sort of a, mild if automatic advantage, but they just notched their second win of the season in their last match. It was a one nil win versus number six AS Montdor. So go fight, win fighting Kananos, whatever that may be. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Daring to tread where other pods won't. And singing about it. The one that you've elected is a Sunday match. We weren't scared. The Russian Premier League is where we're headed. They are down to being ranked the number 26th best league in UEFA. But that's really because they weren't able to earn any points last year because they've been suspended by both FIFA and UEFA. None of their teams got to go last year and none of their teams will get to go this upcoming year into international play like the Champions League and whatnot. Now, so their champion won't get to go anywhere, but that's still the goal. And then on the other end of the spectrum, two of the 16 teams are going to get relegated. Two of them will be in relegation playout matches. The season is nearly half over there. By the way, a couple of notes about that suspension. and It is affecting the quality of play, I'm sure. Players there are not required by FIFA and UEFA, whichever one it was that made this ruling, to fulfill their contracts to Russian clubs. So players that were in certain positions were allowed to leave and uh, form new contracts with other clubs if they didn't want to be there for socio-political reasons. Now, FIFA did just within the last few days partially lift the ban. The under-17s for their national team, they are going to be allowed to compete in a an event just about to start internationally. So that's an interesting development. A lot of folks not happy about it around the world. There's also been talk that they could eventually join the Asian Football Confederation. After all, geographically, a third of the nation is in Asia. But for money purposes, I'm sure their FA really likes being a part of Europe. And Their FA president was recently quoted as saying that they're not in any position where they want to make a move to the AFC because that would likely mean never rejoining their, quote, European family. Yeah, I think their European family is pretty much done with their asses. Anyway. Your matchup of meaninglessness. Number eight, Locomotive versus number seven, Spartak. Uh, they're actually both tied with number six, Nizhny Novgorod. They've all got 20 points in the table. Uh, they all trailed number one, Krasnodar, by eight points, and they lead number 13, Akhmat, by eight points. So that's your championship position. And then uh, the highest of the teams in a relegation playoff position. Series between these two, it's been all Spartak. They're traditionally a much better team than this. 16, 9, and 7. I have a feeling they're a team that had a lot of good players and lost them when they weren't, uh, you know, when they were allowed to leave without fulfilling their contracts. All right, Locomotive, they are based in Moscow. Both teams are, in fact, and they have won the title three different times. 2018 was the last time they won the Premier League. They made the semifinal of the European Cup Winners' Cup, which I realize is a strange name, but that's one of two tournaments that was sort of a precursor to the now Europa League, the second-best international club tournament in Europe. They did that in 1998-99, best international finish. 
2015-16 in the Europa League, uh, they made the round of 32. That's their modern best. And by modern, I basically mean since roughly about 2005 when the current slate of tournaments uh, solidified into what it still is today. Last year, they finished in eighth place in the league. This year, uh, pretty average, just slightly above average on both offense and defense. They're a little bit more likely to climb than their opponents. I didn't look up any gambling odds up for this one. No money line here, but uh, I do like Locomotive to win. You wouldn't find it straight up, though. The guy who might be the MVP of their team, he doesn't consistently play 90 minutes, but I think he's a starter far more often than not, Artem Karpukas. He's a defensive midfielder, just 21 years old, but he is injured, won't be playing. So the best player we'll likely be seeing for the team is another guy who's kind of a a regular, if not quite all-time, full-time starter, Alexander uh, Silyanov there. I almost wanted to add an extra syllable in there. He plays left back for them, just 22 years old. So this is who they've had to replace players they lost with as these youngsters. He's a very good dribbler and a great tackler. Teams are informed they're unbeaten in their last six leagues matches. They did recently lose a road match against a, a top division team, I believe, in the FA Cup, however. And now Spartak Moscow. At the time they were formed, I don't know, 60, 70 years ago, whenever it was, a lot of teams, and this is not unusual to just Russia or the Soviet Union, they were formed around sponsorships from military or police agencies, may have even had a lot of or all of their players have direct affiliations or work for those agencies and bodies. Spartak, however, was formed by a public trade union, and so they are known as the People's Team. They are ranked one slot outside the top 100 by UEFA currently, at least of la- uh, at least of a couple months ago, September. They are known as the Gladiators, and they have won 22 titles between the Soviet days and the Russian Premier League. Last title was 2016-17. They made the Champions League semifinals in 1990-1991. That was the best they've ever done. Last year, they finished in third place in the league. So they would have gotten either go to the Europa League or the Europa Conference League if they weren't suspended. This year, the defense, that's what's keeping them from being any better than there are. They're only tied for number 11 in that regard. The offense is pretty average. This is a team I would expect to go down before up. Team MVP for them is uh, a guy named Quincy Proms from the Netherlands, plays left winger for them. He's tied for number one in assists uh, with four of those. He's in Russia because they don't have an extradition treaty with the Netherlands, though. He was found guilty of stabbing somebody after a confrontation uh, in his family. And that he's also been prosecuted, I believe, for trafficking cocaine. And I don't mean just a little bit. He was trying to get, if the allegations were true, over one and a quarter metric tons, which are bigger than than uh, tons, T-O-N-S versus T-O-N-N-E-S, through the port city of Antwerp. Just incredible. He won't be in this game. He's injured, but he's a player you got to give a little history on. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, the next best player they probably have going who should be appearing is another youngster, 21-year-old right back, Daniel Denisov. He's got no goals, but two assists. He's a good passer, tackler, and a very good crossing passer. Another guy who I suspect is a uh, set-piece specialist, launching the balls into the box. Number one in blocks per 90 minutes, regular starter with one and three quarters of those per match is Georgie Jakaya, plays center back for them. He's injured, though. There's a lot of injuries for some reason with this particular match. Maybe it's because it's meaningless, and they know it wouldn't matter even if they were there. Team's current form, they have lost two straight.
On top of being our third bonus match, it is the final match and appropriately match number 13 because this is the match of... DISAPPOINTED! Yes, two sad sack bottom feeders that you have voted on. It's a match that you voted on before. Yes, this is a revisit from probably two or three months ago, but I don't blame you for voting for it. It's a fascinating one because these are not the two worst teams in the league by far in terms of ability, only in terms of points. In case you don't remember, we will fill you in on the particulars momentarily. Talking about a Sunday match out of the Premier League of Belarus, which is the 49th ranked league in UEFA. Yes, there's only like six teams below them. They've got an odd number of teams in the league, 15, because one of the teams that was supposed to be promoted last year couldn't get a Premier League license. So they've got 15. The 15th place team will be relegated, as you would imagine. The second to last place team will fight for their lives in a relegation playoff match. That'll be fairly soon because the season is nearly over here. This is considered to be somewhat Northern European. Your matchup, number 14, Belshina Babruisk versus number 15, Energetic-BGU. Uh, Belshina, they lead Energetique by five points in the table and trailed number 13, Shakhtar Salagars, by three points. These teams all have something in common we'll get to momentarily. The series between these two has been fairly brief. Energetique have, have a 3-1-1 one, one advantage in record. When they played at Energetique's place earlier this season, they played to a very disappointing nil-nil draw. And yes, I can tack on as many affixes as I want, English majors. I am one of you. Belshina Bobruisk. Uh, by the way, Belshina is the name of a manufacturing company that has sponsored them since their founding. Bobruisk, the city out of which they play, is in the east central part of the nation, city of about 200,000, big timber country, and there's a big railroad intersection. So there's all kinds of goods uh, move to and through here. Last year, they finished in 12th place. They've actually won the league title one time. That was in 2001. And they had uh, some title success uh, pre-1976, their current founding, under a previous name when they were just more of a city club. Uh, this year, the offense is bad, but the defense is really where the Sakatude sets in. They are the worst in that regard, giving up over two goals per match. They've got the worst goal differential in the league by over 50%. Uh, team scoring leader with two and yes, there's nobody tied with him, is Vadislav Solanovic. He is, plays midfielder for them. Uh, they are winless in their last nine and have lost five straight. Uh, now I'll get into something I uh, referenced earlier. They're pretty bad, but they are not quite as bad as their points look. They have actually uh, only three points in the table, but they should have 14. Uh, I it was some years back, but last year they finally got busted for a match fishing scandal, fixing scandal officially. So uh, Belshina, their opponents today, Energetique, and the other team that I mentioned that's one spot above them, Shakhtar Soligars, all got deducted points. It was originally supposed to be uh, 13, 20, and 10 points for each of these three teams, with Soligars getting the worst of it. And uh, I don't remember which between the other two we're going to get uh, fewer right off the top of my head. And I'm still not sure if this is in place, but they're supposed to have points deducted for next year as well. I believe no matter which division they end up being in, those are huge amounts of points, all but guaranteeing, you know, all but guaranteeing re relegation for at least, you know, for two of them. And it's probably going to be these two. 
Now, if uh, Bobrowisk actually had their other 11 points, they would still be somewhere within the relegation zone. Although I'm not really sure it's fair to say that because they probably, you know, lost a lot of players and might not, you know, they might have been better on the field than they actually are. But anyway, that gives you the landscape. All right. Having taken that little break, let's get into uh, Energetique-BGU. Uh, they play out of the city of Minsk. This is their third straight year in Division One. I. I hope they've enjoyed it. There are negative two points in the table. Yeah, they haven't earned enough points to make up for uh, all the points that they lost, which was 23 now I'm seeing in my notes. Uh, they, they're sort of a yo-yo team. Their last stretch in Division One ended in 2006. They are known as the students, and that's because the BGU, I don't know what it stands for in Russian or Belarusian, depending on which it is, but basically think of I think of it in my head as Belarusian General University. It's a big public university in Minsk. They've got a bull right on the crest, though, even though that's not an official mascot. I think it would be a fair play to call them the uh, the bulls or something like that. Their defense, I don't want to say it flirts with average, but they only give up one and a half goals per match. That's ahead of three or four of the teams, but their offense is pitiful and their goal differential says they're right where they should be. They've got two players impressively with two goals each on the team. I'll tell you that they are Ilya Grishchenko, 22 years old, and Abinur Nurimbet from Kazakhstan, a midfielder, another youngster. We've got a pattern going just uh, – 18 years old is all. Team's current form, two, one, and two. Credit where it's due. They've uh, earned some points lately. But doesn't change the fact that we will not wish these teams goodwill or good fortune, but rather shoo them away in our harsh and traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. away. Hey, boo. Boo. And that'll put a bow on episode 160 of Soccer New Brock in America featuring person noob. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry to Dan, the interno inferno. Welcome back. And thank you very much to my daughter person. Noob. I'm still so glad that you enjoy doing this. Now that you started middle school, I'm always trying to tell her, I'm like, Hey, if you ever decide that your interests take you other directions and you don't have time for this, I will understand to a degree. I don't, I don't say that last part, but she really, really loves doing it, especially her animals, even when it's not a real life animal like this time. And thank you to you for finding us, making it all the way through. We hope you've enjoyed it and that you'll consider passing our name along to your footy minded friends until we can do it again in a few days. Have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care. And we're headed off to the South. Sp- sp- <laughs>